Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Uranium Market Minute. Today is Wednesday, September 28th, and this is episode number 191. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro Newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium, finds the best risk-reward investing opportunities in the space, and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. <clears throat> All right. Good to be back with you guys again today. I am recording this uh, two and a half hours, uh, excuse me, an hour and a half, about 90 minutes before the close. I try typically to record after the close because oftentimes the end, uh, the, the last 30 minutes of the market can bring some surprises. So a uh, big caveat right up front. <clears throat> I don't know where these things are going to close. We're having a decently strong day across markets and uh, uranium especially is having uh, some very strong moves for a number of the equities we'll we'll take a look at the charts in just a moment um, i want to talk in the mailbag section about life extensions and uh, some news that that we've been hearing out of uh, edf out of france and the uk as well as uh, an interesting note about japanese restarts that came from our webinar guest from uh, last week so i'll share that in the mailbag section <clears throat> Before we get into the daily scoreboard, I want to remind everybody again, we are T minus uh, three more episodes here today, tomorrow, Thursday, and uh, Friday. Three more episodes of the daily uh, free Uranium Market Minute podcast, after which it will be going to a weekly free podcast. And as I've mentioned before, the daily market updates are going to be um, on the back end in the members area for paying members of Uranium Insider Pro. That will begin next week <clears throat> on Wednesday. That'll be Wednesday, October 5th will be the first daily update for Uranium Insider Pro members. So I'm very much looking forward to that um, starting next week. And uh, if not, if you're not interested in joining, I will uh, continue to do these once a week for you free on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. All right, why don't we go ahead and jump right into the daily scoreboard here. The spot price Uranium flat unchanged since yesterday. Sput obviously dead in the water here, sitting on very little cash um, and still trading at a discount to NAV. That discount to NAV closed substantially yesterday, closing at just under 6% discount to NAV, trading up nicely again today. We're probably right around that 4% level of a discount to NAV. So that continues to close as a little bit of risk comes back into the markets. URA reported a very, very large uh, redemption of 1.56 million shares. So that was Friday, right? The big uh, washout that we had last Friday. Uh, so that was uh, 21.5 million in selling from URA alone. You can really feel that that reverse flywheel happening when that selling comes into the ETFs in a big way. URNM actually reported no changes uh, to their outstanding shares. All right, so let's um, let's take a look at the charts. URA have a having a really strong day, up about four percent on the day on uh, above average volume here. We still have a little over an hour of trading left in the day. We'll see how it closes. So far that. That very low RSI, excuse me, um, did mark a intracycle low here, but we'll see. I don't think we're necessarily out of the woods yet. I don't think until we hear a little bit more um, dovish language come out of the Fed or that they hear that they uh, say they're going to pause rate hikes. I think that's really when we see risk come on. But of course, markets are discounting mechanisms and the markets tend to move in expectation of certain events as well. So perhaps the movement today across markets with the S&P up uh, over one and a half percent is uh, is an expectation by the markets that the Fed's going to have to pivot with the just the the crazy craziness that's been going on in, in the currency markets and uh, the ten year yield um, just up on stilts. 
URNM relative to the spot price of uranium having a very good day up almost 4% with the spot price flat. That's very nice to see. Um, making a, uh, we didn't quite make a higher low from the dip in August, definitely a higher low from, from the equities low from this summer, which happened in June and July. So good to see that higher low. I would like to see that hold. We filled the gap from Friday and the, and the gap up that was filled obviously on the way down uh, previously this week and on Friday. <clears throat> so nice to see that recovery. Of course, we want to see this uh, on good volume up above all of these moving averages. Let's see that 200 day turn back to the upside. But if we zoom out on this chart, honestly, um, this was a big pullback from the highs of November of last year. We had a big pullback relative to the commodity with the commodity pulling back as well. So we've had quite the pullback all the way back down to valuations very close to the, to the beginning of this bull market, which is December 2020, in my opinion. Cameco, let me go back to the daily chart here. Uh, Cameco up nicely, 3.5% on the day. Not breakout volume here, but still just kind of moving with the whole sector. Bounced really nicely on that rising 200-day. Would like to see this hold as the sector leader. URA relative to the S&P, having a big day, even with the S&P up. Um, we obviously, I still keep pointing out this big gap down here. Not all gaps get filled. As we well know, we had a couple of small gaps over here. I pretty sure those are never going to be filled. Um, but <clears throat> nice to see this moving back up and the trend uh, coming back in our favor here. Sprout Physical Uranium Trust uh, trading up 1.5% on the day. Decent volume, but certainly not breakout volume. This is definitely not um, institutions piling into this. But with the market expecting perhaps some risk, a little bit of risk coming back on and still sitting at a decent little discount to NAV here, good to see this moving back up. All right, uh, mailbag section. Somebody asked me about life extensions. I uh, had a question about life extensions with um, EDF. So EDF operates, um, that's the France, uh, the French state-owned, now it's 100% state-owned um, uh, electricity utility. And they operate a number of the reactors in France, and they also operate reactors in the UK. <clears throat> so what are we hearing now? EDF operated Heart Heartpool, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, Heartpool and Haitian One. Uh, they're planned to close in 2024 in the UK. EDF is considering extending the lives of these two plants. This is on the back of California's extension of Diablo Canyon, Byron and Dresden getting extensions last year, and even the Palisades plant that was shut down in Michigan a couple of months ago, they're talking about restarting with the support from the federal government. Um, so we had a, a bit of bear, I, I wouldn't call it bearish because it's just one plant, but still just absolutely uh, nuts news that came out this week, which is Belgium um, sticking with their phase-out plan and shutting down a reactor with the actual uh, Minister of Energy. I don't know if that's her precise title in the country of Belgium, but it's something along those lines. Basically stating that they will be sticking with this closure and their planned phase-out of nuclear, generally speaking, um, so that we no longer have risk of developing nuclear weapons. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, really, this is just... this is unbelievable insanity. So I'm very, very sorry to hear that. And honestly, I'm, I'm gobsmacked to hear that kind of, um, that kind of unbelievable ignorance about energy policy coming from an energy minister. Now, of course, we're hearing that she has uh, potential ties with Gazprom. So I would not be surprised the the corruption in governments across various countries, um, honestly, is not surprising to me any longer. But 
On the back of that, of course, we have all these extensions I just mentioned. Now, these two plants scheduled to shut down 2024, the EDF operates, um, are looking to keep those online. And of course, this, this whole situation is exacerbated by the um, sabotaging of the Nord Stream, uh, the Nord Stream pipeline that happened uh, yesterday or the day before. Um, so this is, uh, this is pretty incredible stuff. Uh, there was a fantastic interview with Doomberg by Palisades Gold Radio um, from Tom Bodrovics at uh, Palisades. I highly suggest you listen to it. I'm going to link to it in the description. Um, that was recorded yesterday, and uh, he really discusses in detail some of the implications of this of this pipeline. I mean, we're talking five or six months is the best case scenario to get something like this repaired and back into function to even have the option of having gas flow from Russia into Germany. Oh, the situation is just really, really messy in energy in the EU right now. And um, I, I can't believe that Belgium is continuing to the, do this. Germany is actually now considering keeping two of their reactors, two of the last three that are operating now, online beyond their planned um, decommissioning, which is set for December. Again, I don't hold my breath with this stuff, but this is clearly the obvious thing that they should be doing. And public support of these reactors being extended continues to grow in the country of Germany. What is the point of all this? The point of all this is that forecasts for supply and demand going out into the end of the decade are greatly flawed. Those that have been made over the past few years are now uh, uh, considerably flawed considering all of these life extensions that have been granted. And these are these models are going to have to be continuously updated with each of these extensions. And, um, you know, when when I speak with the guys from uh, from Station Cove, for example, you know, the modeling that they do and the modeling that we do going out is very conservative in terms of demand. So you basically have to model out based on what the utilities are telling you they're going to be doing. So if uh, or or the country or a state is telling you what they're going to be doing with their with their nuclear fleet. So if they're telling you they're going to be decommissioning them, you're not going to just guess and say, oh, they're likely to extend these. So we're going to model for that demand out past that decommissioning date. That's not what you do. You have to model conservatively. And you do that because you want to be right even in a conservative situation. We are far beyond a conservative situation now for this trade. Um, with all of these life extensions and this bifurcated market, these supply demand models, um, I mean, I cannot wait to see the nuclear fuel report next September. It's going to be astounding. I mean, we're we're looking at the uppercase. You go back to the nuclear fuel report from last year, look at the uppercase. That's where we're going to be at or closer to that than anybody ever thought would be possible. So these models are going to have to be updated and they're going to show significantly increased demand going out the second half of this decade based on these life extensions, based on the bifurcated market and the higher tails assays that the Western enrichers have talked about that plenty of times in the past. I'm not going to get into that right now. I want to share an interesting detail with you from our guest from the September webinar about Japanese restarts. So, and I didn't, I didn't know this prior to this conversation, and this is a really interesting point. Um, and it comes after watching a, a great short documentary on the building of the, um, not the Shimane, uh, the, I think it's the Shika plant in Japan. This is an advanced boiling water reactor. And this plant was built in 2005. Um, it, it only operated, I think, excuse me, I think it was 2003 or 2002, it started to operate, uh, to be constructed. They built it in less than five years and it operated for only five years before being shut down after Fukushima. Um, this is an absolute marvel of engineering. And uh, th there were over 2 million individuals that worked on constructing this plant. Um, they were very, very proud craftsmen 
building this plant and it's truly uh, a shame that it's not operating right now. And they've had, they filed for restarting of this plant um, like six or seven years ago. And they're still waiting on, on getting the, the go ahead to restart this plant. So the plants that have been restarted so far in Japan, um, according to our guest, have all been uh, light water reactors. Okay. The next ones that are, are to be um, green lighted are boiling water reactors. And what that means is going forward, a number of these boiling water reactors that have uh, are a bit more complex in terms of their design and the uh, necessary approvals to bring those back online. Once the first boiling water reactor is green lighted, it's going to make the process for the rest of them a little bit easier. So that's very good news in Japan. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I would love to see that plant come back online. I believe it was the Shika plant. Um, just, just fantastic. So uh, hopefully we'll see the um, the words from the prime minister um, bear fruit and see the restarts accelerate in Japan. Honestly, it's what makes the most sense for them with surging coal and natural gas prices. We've, we've had a little bit of relief over the past month or so, and I don't think that's going to be very long lived um, based on uh, my belief that we are going to see persisting inflation uh, despite uh, the, the Fed's efforts uh, across multiple multiple markets in multiple countries. So going forward, I do think that we are we are in the first few innings of a multi-year commodities run. And I think that uranium is going to be at the top of that heap. All right. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. I will see you again tomorrow and I will see you again Friday. And then it will be once a week following that. And if you'd like to join us for the daily updates going forward, feel free to subscribe, click the link below. We would love to have you on board and would appreciate the support. Take care. Be well. See you tomorrow.